The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Let us pray. Uh, Lord, we just we thank you that um, that we can serve you, that uh, that you love us, that you show grace and mercy in our lives. Lord, I just pray for for Matt uh, for the message that you've put on his heart, um, that it speaks to where we are. Uh, Lord, that that we're receptive, that we listen. Um, Lord, we just pray that uh, that you just teach us day by day to learn in your gospel. Man. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Oh, that, was, that was pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'll accept it. Uh, I'm Matt Gore. I'm uh, the, this is a great city men's leader. Um, I, I'm, I'm really just a volunteer here. Um, so I, uh, we've been starting with a men's ministry, which we meet. Uh, we met this morning, had a great time. Uh, um, we meet every other week. This is just a little pitch for what, I, what I'm doing here. We meet every other week at 9.15 uh, a.m., men only. Thank you. And um, anyway, so it's, that's been going great. But my, my point here is that I'm actually I'm not, not a preacher, um, although it's strange I'm up here preaching. Uh, I have a day job um, that's not preaching or, uh, um, or preparing for this, and that is I'm, I'm a scientist. Uh, I work at a university around the corner here, and I, I am, uh, invest a lot in what I do there. I'd say, uh, I don't know, 105% of what I feel like I'm living for is, is for my job sometimes. So that's, there's a lot going on with me there. Um, another thing going on, um, I'm balding. <laughs> balding a lot. Um, yeah, I look at pictures of me from like five years ago, and I'm just like, there, there was the glory, the glory days. <laughs> Didn't expect laughter. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I know that a lot of that's probably genetic and that I, there's nothing I can do, so I just let it sort of fall off and just deal with it. Um, but I, I can't help to think that a lot of that has to do with stress, uh, partially because looking at the last, like, five, ten years of my life, it's been a very stressful time. I'm sure my wife can, um, can agree to that, and uh, my kids probably noticed as well, but it's been very stressful. Um, went to graduate school, and in graduate school they have, uh, they have this thing where, uh, like sort of halfway through, they call it like your candidacy or your qualifying exam. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this, but essentially they, your, your committee of professors lets you stand up there and present some work, and then they just grill you for like a very long time until uh, you're weeping on the floor, essentially. <laughs> So, um, so that was a very stressful point in my life, and that was, that was a little while, it's been a long time since that. And then if you pass that, which, uh, which I did, thankfully, uh, they don't kick you out of grad school, and you can continue. And um, then you have to, in a couple of years from then, defend your own work, your own research, in front of the same committee that saw you wet your pants a couple of years ago. <laughs> so uh, that was a very stressful time with us. And then, and then uh, when you finish your PhD, you realize, and hopefully you realize it before this, but um, th- there's no jobs. I don't. <laughs> what did I do all that for? Um, but they have this thing. They have this concept called a postdoc, a postdoc that is postdoctoral, uh, which is what I am now. And that is essentially there's so many PhDs, 
and so little faculty positions that we gotta put them somewhere. We gotta, we gotta do something with them. So uh, here I am now, and um, that, that was, so that was another stressful part, is, is finding a job. That was probably one of the most stressful part, is, is deciding, um, and what we, what we decided was actually move here from Ohio. This is where um, all of our lives, my wife and I lived in Ohio, and we decided, let's move to Southern California, which isn't a, didn't have a lot of arguments to why that would be a bad thing, um, but here we are, and again, I'm stressing out and stressing out about my work here. This is so common with Everyone in this room I know has, has had some sort of stress about work, and that's what we're talking about today is, is, uh, is the gospel and work. Um, so the series, which we were, uh, there's one more message, but don't feel like you're, you've been left out uh, for a couple reasons. One is these all sort of overlap in the same thing, and that is the gospel. The other is you can go and watch the other ones about their on, on relationships, growth, and, and me. Um, you can watch those if, if you really want to get all you want from the series. But today we're going to talk about work. And um, I don't have to argue with you that you're going to spend so much of your life in work. And as I go through the rest of the message, I, I don't want you to think that that means necessarily a nine-to-five job because I know a lot of you here are students. Um, th- but consider that, please consider that what I mean when I say work. Um, many of you are, um, y- your job is your family. You're, you're a stay-at-home parent or, or, or something like that. Um, consider that your work as well. But whatever you're, you're putting your mind to right now, that's what, that's what I'm going to call work. And before we get into what the gospel has to say um, about work, I thought we'd take just an overall perspective of what the entire Bible says. Uh, so I'm going to spend just a couple hours on that. Um, okay. No, but really, uh, we're going to start all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning. Um, this, uh, this here we see that God uh, created um, everything. God created the universe. He created the world. He created uh, everything on the earth, all the creatures there, and he created man and woman. He created uh, Adam and Eve. And he gave them uh, an Eden, well, the Eden, really. Uh, he gave the Garden of Eden, just a, a, a beautiful place where they, they could eat anything they wanted except for one particular tree, which we'll get into in a second. And um, so they were in paradise. Now, if you were told you had an all-expense-paid trip somewhere um, where everything was given to you, all, all the food and, and all the entertainment, everything you could ever need, uh, and someone said, hey, uh, could you help in the kitchen? We're a little short-staffed. You would probably be pretty disgusted with them, right? I thought this was all expense paid, but uh, what we see here, um, and it's a little different than that, in Genesis, this is Genesis 1:28. Uh, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is what's known as the cultural mandate, the cultural mandate. Here, God uh, is, is putting man, is putting uh, Adam and, and Eve to work. He's giving them something to do. And again, that might seem a little odd to you, but we still have this perception that remains that work is actually a good thing. Here we see that, and God blessed them, that this is a blessing that was given uh, to man. Um, modern philosopher Dwayne The Rock Johnson understand. He says this, he says, wake up determined, go to bed satisfied. 
So if you wake up in the morning and, you, and you, you, you're determined to do the work that you need for the day, in the end, you go to bed, at the end of the day, you're satisfied with the work. So we all see that there's just this goodness that comes from work. Um, for DJ, that's working out, but um, <laughs> you guys don't know DJ. <laughs> so we see that work is actually a good thing that's given to us. And this might seem a little foreign, though, because all of you have done some work, and you think it's probably pretty tough. There's a lot of toil that's involved. And here we'll see, just a couple chapters later, um, in Genesis, this is what is called the fall, or uh, original sin here. Um, essentially, what happened is God said, you can eat any of these, and you guys know the story, I'm sure, any, any fruit from any of these trees, except for this one tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and as, as you know, they were tempted, and they ate of it. The one thing that God said not to do, um, they did. They, they took down that fruit and ate it. And essentially what happened was God kicked them out of the garden. That's the, the, most, uh, the first thing here. And so in Genesis 3, starting in, um, in, in verse 17, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you should eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is a little harsher. This is, this is more of what you might think of, uh, of work, and that is that work is toil. Work is tough. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth, instead of just, uh, in this case, farming, you know, instead of just the crops coming out and everything's working great, it's hard. There's a lot of hard work that needs to get into it, and it doesn't always work um, the way that you want. So, then we have the gospel. How does this then, in this, in this sort of uh, view of work being what it meant to be a good thing becomes a bad thing, becomes a toil, and we still sort of see uh, the good and the bad out of work. How do we handle this today in light of the gospel? Well, just to have a, a, a preview of this, you can find in the Old Testament, um, for example, is uh, jo the story of Joseph. Are you familiar with the story of Joseph in Genesis 39? Uh, Joseph works his way up to leadership. He was someone who was, who was, um, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers, and, uh, the, but the person who became uh, his master, essentially, he worked his way up there until he got wrongfully thrown into prison. In prison, which this sounds strange to us, but he worked his way up the chain there in prison and into leadership of a prison, which seems odd, but at the time, uh, it was a good position to be in for him. And then when he got uh, freed from prison, he, he continued to work his way up to being um, uh, a big shot in, in Egypt to Pharaoh. He was, uh, he, was a, he was a big shot there. So here we have some preview of, of that work is still a good thing. But then we also see in, in uh, verses such as this one in Ecclesiastes 3, um, starting in verse 9, the teacher here says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end, to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. So here we see a, a preview of, of work becoming again something that's great to, where, to the point where he says here, 
everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, what's good for us is although, although we're imperfect, although that we um, made this bad decision, although we picked the fruit from the wrong tree and did the one thing uh, that we couldn't, although we have a separation from God, that throughout the, throughout the Old Testament we see man trying to, to, become, uh, to get rid of the separation from God. For us, we see in Romans 5, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. God sent his only son to pay a debt that uh, he didn't know because we had a debt to God that we couldn't pay. So now, how do we view our work back to our everyday lives, back to um, me being in the lab? How do we view our work in light of the gospel? Things to come. Uh, so what should our perspective be? I, I think the best place to look for this is in the early church, in the New Testament. Um, we, we see a lot of instruction to new believers. Who, they don't have a model to base this on. They don't have an early church. They're, they're the first ones where Christ has come, has come. They believe in Christ and they become Christians and, and their whole world has changed. And now they go, okay, what do I do about my job? <laughs> what do I do about what I'm doing um, outside of just, you know, being a Christian? And a place we can find this is in Colossians 3. Uh, in Colossians 3, this whole chapter is really an instruction to, uh, to new Christians. And essentially, is, is Paul, the writer here, saying, get rid of your old self. Get rid of everything that, you, that used to be and put on the new self, he says. And, and if you want to hear more about this, uh, there's some messages from the last series um, on these same verses. But it gets to the point in the last paragraph of, of Colossians 3, and this, these, are, um, these are instructions for uh, the household. This is just very practical directions uh, towards uh, man and wife and towards children and towards parents. And it gets to a, a peculiar uh, place here, and that's what today's verses are actually addressed to, and that is the person of a bondservant. Some of your versions might say a slave. And so I, I want to just take a second here to, to, to say, well, this is that he's talking about slavery here. Uh, Paul at no point, and actually at no point we can find a um, that he's, he's not condoning slavery here. I think that's important. This is a common misconception. He's not approving of slavery here. Um, not only was slavery a lot different, that's, that's, that's something for another discussion, but uh, what he's doing is just addressing the slaves at the time who had become Christians. In fact, it's thought that in this whole Greco-Roman era that one in three, up to one in three people were, were slaves. They were bondservants at the time. Uh, so he's not, uh, not in any of this is he condoning slavery, but in fact, if we examine the instructions that he's given to these bondservants, we can find instruction for the modern worker today. And so that's how uh, we're going to approach, approach this in Colossians. Um, so it gets to this point in Colossians 3, this is um, the verses for today, which is um, in 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
And so I wanna walk this through with you guys and I wanna give, th give you three points today. I'm spreading out my notes so I can see them all. Um, although they'll, they'll be up there. <laughs> that is that the gospel gives us uh, purpose in our work, uh, a direction for our work, and reward in our work. Purpose, direction, and reward. Okay, so the first one, God gives us purpose in our work. Uh, whatever you do, I think that's an important, uh, the, even the three words, whatever you do is important to look at. You are serving the Lord Christ. What this means is that whatever your job is, whatever I told you to think about in the, in the beginning here, whether it's a student or, or a nine to five sort of job, blue collar, white collar, or if you're a, a, a stay at home mom just raising kids, whatever you're doing, you're serving the Lord Christ. You're serving the Lord Christ. It, it doesn't matter what it's doing. And in order to explain this better, I actually want to go through some misconceptions of what you might think your work is for. And there are a few of them here. And the first one is, is probably the, the most obvious, that work is actually meant for ourselves. That work is meant uh, to be something to you do uh, for yourself. Now this seems strange, I think, in this day of age to think, well, of course the career is, is, is meant for me, that it's meant for my own, uh, my own satisfaction and my own uh, sense of purpose. But um, yeah, in fact, I mean, when you're a little kid, you're even asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? My three-year-old usually says, is it doctor or firefighter? It, it seems to change quite a bit. Um, same for Halloween, he couldn't decide what he wanted to be. He's a hot dog. <laughs> he really is. Uh, fantastic uh, costume, I wish I had it. Anyway, but, but fr from when you're young, you're just sort of asked that what, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And this becomes like what can be your identity and that's the problem, that's why this is a misconception is that work can actually become your identity. You do it for your, for your own satisfaction. Um, now the problem with this, and I, I really like the way that uh, Timothy Keller points this out, uh, if your identity, if your work is your identity, if you succeed, you become puffed up. You become full of pride. So much that, well, I got to this place on my own, so that means whatever I say must be right. And that that becomes the basis for everything you do, is that you're so prideful in what you did because you succeeded. But if you fail, if you fail, you, you really break down. You, you, you hit the dust. You, you become uh, depressed and uh, just life is just not worth it because your identity, well, you didn't do it right. If, if work is your identity and you fail, um, I mean, that's the end. The other misconception um, that's, that's common is that work is for money. And you might think, well, of course work's for money. That's literally why I work is to get a paycheck. Uh, and th and this, is, this is great. This is actually a good thing that you're working you know, and you're getting money. Even Paul himself says if, if someone's not going to work, then they shouldn't eat. Uh, this is in the New Testament as well. So that there is a basis to this, but what I'm saying here is that the prime purpose for work cannot be to earn money. Uh, this is, from, again, from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter four. There's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. So, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge had a lot of money. Um, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand, meaning he doesn't have anything to give to his, his children uh, because he lost it. And bad investment or gambling, which I guess gambling is just a bad investment. But. And he came from his mother's womb 
he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This is also a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? I like this part. Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. This is the result of considering money to be the purpose for your work because it just seems to build up and build up and build up and you just want to get more and more and more money. And the result of that is not, uh, is not happiness. It's, it's not to just, you just get all these great things that you've ever wanted, a jet ski, I don't know. Um, I don't want a jet ski, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you end up eating in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. It's like Ebenezer Scrooge at the beginning of the story, right? Um, Again, we see in the New Testament in Matthew chapter six, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve uh, God and money. Here Jesus himself is saying that if you're serving money, you're going to despise God. But if you're serving God, then money is not gonna be anything that's important to you. You're gonna despise that. You can only serve one master, money or God. And then in Mark chapter eight, for what does it profit a man, this is Jesus again, for what, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Here we see the cost of serving money with your work. Uh, as you work, your, your only motivation being money is your soul. There's another one that's sort of related, um, and that is that work is, is only for your family. Work is to provide for your family. And this is not a, inherently a bad thing. This is, this is one reason why I you know, consider what I'm doing. We've got two kids, and um, is that work is to provide for your family. But the danger here, and the reason I'm bringing this up, is that this can backfire on you. As, as you start uh, to grow your family and you start to build up your career ladder, there's at some point going to be some choices that you'll have to make. And that is, do I want to spend more time with my children or do I want to earn more money for my children? And here is where the purpose must remain Christ, which I'll get to. Because if you continue to think, oh, I just want to give my kids, I want to give my family what they want, you might actually get to the point where you're not giving them what they need. Um, I'm realizing this more and more as my son's starting to become more cognizant as a, as a human. You know, I, I, uh, I, I, I'm at work all day and I come home and um, we have dinner together and um, putting him to bed and we always read a couple stories. Uh, usually, I don't know, Curious George was up for a while. It's been a lot of Clifford, the big red dog. Uh, but he loves it. I mean, he'll, he said, we haven't read this book in a long time. And I'm like, we read this earlier today, but. <laughs> I don't show that kind of angst to my son, by the way. Um, but anyway, he says, he, he looked at me right before we were reading. He said, Daddy, I'm glad that you're home. I'm glad that you're not at work. I love you. It's just like, ouch. <laughs> but really, that there has to be a, a balance between work and family. And in fact, these verses themselves in Colossians 3, as I said, are in the context of the, of the, ho of the home. Um, they're talking to fathers and talking to, to husband and, wife and ch wives and children and then they get to work. So all these things have to be sort of balanced together. And if you focus your work on serving Christ, um, you'll find that they will be. Then one more last point about this 
is a, another misconception is that we have to be uh, vocational ministers um, to, uh, to serve God with our jobs. We have to be vocational. This is a misconception. Um, um, no offense to the vocational ministers in the room, but, uh, <laughs> but that, 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 is, that is a way to serve God. But our work here we see, no matter what we're doing, our work is serving God. Uh, no one was a, a greater proponent of this than Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther um, realized that in the Psalms when he was talking about uh, what, when God was saying that he was providing, he was feeding the whole world, that he was doing that through, in the classic example for him, as a milkmaid. A milkmaid is serving God by giving the milk to people. That, like that is how God is feeding the world. So in fact, the work that you're doing is, is God's work. Another example from Keller, he says, what is the Christian way to fly an airplane? Is it to you know, hand out gospel tracts as people are getting on the, on the thing or something? You know, there are, good, there are good sort of explicitly Christian things that you can do in your job, but he says the Christian way to fly an airplane is to land. <laughs> it's, to, it's to do good at what you're doing because you're actually serving God by doing that. Um, and to land it well would be even better. So what does this mean for us? Well, this actually means that when we're serving Christ, we have some freedom. We have freedom in what we're doing. And this may seem odd that if you're serving someone, doesn't, isn't that the opposite of freedom if you're under this service? But what we have freedom from is serving ourselves. Because the satisfactions and the disappointments and going back and forth between those things are something that, when, that comes when we serve ourselves with our work. But when something goes wrong at work, when things just don't work out for your career, when you fail a test, uh, or you just sleep in for a midterm, I think it's probably more common. Um, <laughs> your, your hope is not in yourself. You are free from that, because you know that when you're going to work, when you're going to study, when, whenever you're doing, whatever you do, you are serving the Lord Christ. Okay, next point then. Uh, the gospel gives us direction in our work. Um, Back to these verses, you can see, um, oh, I lost it. Oh yeah, here we are. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever you do, work heartily. Work heartily, uh, that's, that's the direction here that God is giving us, is uh, to work at it, and some, some of your translations might say, with all your heart, to put your heart into what you're doing. Um, and again, I wanna actually talk about some misdirections to explain uh, what this really means. Let's talk about first what it doesn't mean. Um, is that we are, the first one is that we are held accountable to ourselves, only to ourselves. This is a, this is a, misdirect, this is a misconception. Um, the problem with that, when you think, well, my work is actually, uh, I'm the only one that's held accountable to that. You know, if you fail the, the midterm next week, whose fault is that? Is that your teacher's? You might try to blame your teacher, but it's not. It's yours. <laughs> it was your fault that you did that. So you're, you're held accountable to your own work. Um, but this, this really only gets you part of the way because you, you might say, oh, that's okay then. It's only me that I have to report to. I, I don't have to, no, no one else is going to be um, uh, judging me on this other than you know, your teacher, I suppose. Um, but this is a misconception that we only have to report to ourselves because as we see in the verses in Colossians 3, um, you are serving the Lord Christ. So that is actually who you're held accountable to, is to God. 
The other one is that we are uh, held accountable to our bosses, that, the, that that's the only people we're, we're held accountable. Meaning if your boss doesn't notice, or if your boss uh, uh, isn't around, then, well, I don't need to do a good job at what I'm doing. I can continue to do mediocre work. So why would I stop? I, uh, one of my first jobs was a, a short order cook. I worked at a Waffle House. You guys know Waffle House? <laughs> If, you're, if you know of it, you probably have been, it's, they don't have any out here, but it's a, it's a giant chain on the east and the, in the south. And um, there's one highway that goes from like the bottom of Florida to the top of Michigan through the country. And there's a little Waffle House like at every exit. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I loved it. I really loved my job. I worked there for a couple years in high school. And I worked on the weekends and after school and I just loved what I was doing. Uh, I really kind of wish I did that now sometimes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what, I, what we were doing is in, in the busy part, we had, there were three of us cooks, you know, cooking. One of them was doing some things and the other. But it uh, got to the issue of toast. You guys know how to make toast? <laughs> yeah, you put bread in a toaster and then... <laughs> I'm just making sure. It's, I just, it's an interesting concept. Uh, and, and then um, when the toast is done, it, it pops out. It has a little timer on itself. And we normally actually time the eggs at the same time. You put eggs down, toast, and then they would usually be done at the same time. Uh, and the reason Waffle House did this is because we didn't have like heat lamps. Like we you didn't like put it under a heat lamp and wait for the waitress to pick it up. We didn't have microwaves or anything. It was just like when it was done, it was taken away and, and you got food hot right away. Um, so the problem then is sometimes you get so many orders in and you're doing everything at once that you know you, you sort of miss something. So at one point I realized there was a plate without toast that had to go out with the other plates in the order. And so I just popped it up before the timer was. And what you do is pop it up and you just butter the bread and you cut it diagonally because that's the correct way to cut bread or cut toast. <laughs> and I put it on the plate and I, you know I just started. And the, the, other, cook, the other cook just kind of looks at me like this and you know kind of a raised eyebrow and he goes, you know that ain't toast. <laughs> And he was right, it was bread that I had just buttered and put on that toast. <laughs> but for me, that, that, was, uh, that was fine. You know, unless the customer said, uh, excuse me, like, I ordered toast and this is bread. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. You know, I got away with mediocrity there. But this, is, as you'll see, is not the mark of, of a Christian worker. This is not the mark of someone who is serving Christ with their work. This is not the mark of someone uh, who, when they make toast, they make toast. I'll get to that in a second. Um, one other sort of uh, side note here is, is that work is a place, uh, a, mis a misdirection, a misconception, I don't know, either one, is that work is a place to grovel and to complain. You guys ever complain at work? Yeah? Actually, there was a study that uh, looked at distractions in work, and they found that 30% uh, of the time that they're at work, they're like distracted by their coworkers. And, and I can't help to feel that a lot of that is groveling and complaining. You know, did he just say that? I can't believe that. Um, but here we're called, in, in for example, in Philippians chapter 2, to do all things without grumbling or complaining. Can you believe that? Can, can you believe that instruction? Do all things without grumbling or complaining. This, this is tough. This is really hard. I love complaining. <laughs> But here we see again that the, the mark of uh, the direction in our work is, is to work hard, to work heartily, to put your heart into it. Um, I, I think that the best, the most applicable place to be in for this is someone in a, in a transitionary, transition role. 
In other words, you're, you're, you're working, yes, but you don't want to stay there. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're a student um, and you just know that, well, I'm going to have a job after this or, or something like that. Or may, maybe you're in graduate school uh, or, or you're thinking about graduate school and um, you're thinking, well, I'm just going to go off to graduate school. I don't need to worry about this. Or maybe you're at a job, but you already have another one lined up or you're looking for a job. This is the place to know. This is, this is the worst the worst uh, place for us to work hard is when you're transitioning. You know that something is coming. I don't need to do this. And I was in a place like this. I was, it was in between grad school and my job now. Uh, they gave me a, you know, a, a salary, but I was like, what am I going to do? I already, you already gave me your, you know, the, the diploma, and uh, I'm just hanging out. This is the worst place, uh, the hardest place um, to be a good worker. But we are called here, actually, to work heartily, to put your heart into what you're doing. Uh, so knowing then that our work is for God and it's held accountable to God, we can have a direction and motivation for what we're doing. Uh, there's a qu- another quote by Martin Luther King Jr., not Martin Luther's earlier, um, and he says this, if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, go out and sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Street, I see, I knew I wouldn't get through it. (laughs) Sweep. (laughs) Can you guys just read it? (laughs) Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Yeah, I got through it. But, but the point being is that your job might seem so menial. It might seem like you're not doing anything or that there's, there's nothing that's going to net from it. But here if you know that who you're serving, who you're serving is not, is not future you, it's, it's not your, your wallet, it's, it's the Lord Christ is who you're serving. Then you're able to have direction in what you're doing. You're, ab- you're able to sweep streets well. <laughs> okay, the last point here is that God uh, the gospel, rather, uh, gives us reward in our work. Um, this is here in, in um, back to Colossians. Uh, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, uh, knowing, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as, you, as your reward. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. Here we see that whatever you're doing, whatever you do, our work has great eternal value. Uh, what does that mean? What is the inheritance? Um, I want to put up a verse from Revelations uh, 21. This is uh, the beginning of that, uh, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, 
I am making all things new. This is the inheritance. This is what our work is for. Tom Nelson in his book, Work Matters, says, if our daily work done for the glory of God and the common good of others in some way carries over to the new heavens and new earth, then our present work itself is overflowing with a measurable value and eternal significance. Can you believe that? What you're doing right now, our present work, has eternal significance, has immeasurable value. Now again, um, I want to point out just a couple misconceptions about this. The first one is one that I hear just so much. It'll all work out in the end. The end being, you know, soon. The end being in our time here on the earth. That it'll all work out. It'll all come together. You'll see. To have this perspective that is not eternal, but rather is, you know, I guess not eternal is the best word for that, uh, is, is a misconception. Because sometimes, a lot of times, it does not work out. That all the work and energy you're putting into something, into some sort of project, into, uh, into anything, any work you're doing, doesn't work out. You learn in the end that, oh, well, we were totally wrong about that. Or, oh, well, it turns out that was illegal. No, really. I mean, you, you think about the, the financial crisis in 2008. There are a lot of people in the financial industry working towards something that they thought, you know, they didn't think the big picture of it. They didn't know. They didn't realize. Then all of a sudden, their company, oh, it looks like what we were doing caused the financial meltdown. It doesn't always work out. The other one is this. This is a misconception. The rewards we get, rather the joys that we get from our work, are more than just a foretaste of what is to come. When, you, when, you, when a project does work, when things are good, when you ace that test and you have that bit of joy there, this is only a foretaste of what is to come. This is just an inkling of what is, of what is happening in the new heavens and the new earth. I think no one can hear this. Um, this is... Great news for my wife and I. <laughs> the last couple of years have been um, a lot of work. Um, both in my job, there's been several projects um, where uh, nothing. You know, I'll put months and months and months into work and, and research and just have a lot of hope and thinking, this is it, this is gonna work. You know, we, we, uh, we're trying to find new therapy for disease, diseases where there's no good therapy. Uh, and what happens is, I was wrong. That did not work. It's not what we thought it was. Or uh, it turns out that the method that I was using, we're doing that all wrong. So now we have to go back and spend months and months and months and, uh, and try to figure it out. The whole time, me just thinking, can I have a job? <laughs> so it's nice to know that when it does work, that that's just a foretaste of what is to come. My wife, uh, Christina, she, uh, she started a, uh, a, a website recently. She has some time to, um, to devote to that. Um, it's, a, it's a blog uh, of devotions for, uh, for mothers, for, for Christian mothers who, you know, it's tough. Um, uh, I, I see that every day, you know, with, with uh, how she handles our children. And it's, it's, a, it's a challenge and it's, it's a great joy as well. But what she can be sure of and what I can be sure of 
is uh, that it is worth it. That everything you are doing, there might not be some sort of great reward for it at the end. I'm, I might not uh, all of a sudden cure some disease and win some prize or something for it and get great publications for what I'm doing. My, my wife in her, in her, in, in her uh, devotionals, she might not you know, sort of sell and make millions from some book, but what she's doing has an eternal value that is much greater than anything that you could get here. Struggles and meaninglessness, then they have their end here. They have their end. <clears throat> and why can we take part of this? Why, I mean, why is this something that as Christians we can take part of? Well, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is how the gospel is incorporated in your work. If you continue to strive and to work hard because you know that you are not working for man, but you are working for God, if you continue to do that, you're going to have great satisfaction in what you do. But even then, you'll know that when things go wrong, when you don't get into uh, graduate school, when you, um, when you fail at a project, when you totally mess something up with a client, when things go wrong, that there is always hope. Just one more quote from Tim Keller. We're allowed to quote him a certain amount of times per week. <laughs> it's really important. Christianity uh, is unique in that it says your identity is received, not achieved. Every other system says, if you follow the rules, if you compete, if you perform, then you're accepted. Christianity says, no, I'm accepted in Jesus Christ, therefore I perform. This is the mark of being a Christian in today's workplace. In today's university, this is a mark of being a Christian. So I wanna leave you with four things then. Um, Th these, these are uh, uh, four takeaways, and that is um, to work with integrity, discipline, cheerfulness, and sacrifice. These are just four things that, um, from working through the verses today, that um, they should com come out with as being uh, someone who's serving Christ, as someone who works with, first, integrity. There might be a time when you uh, think you can do something that's just a little gray area, a little shady, but you know, it'll get done faster, get done better, or not better, but rather worse. Um, but you say, no, no, I'm working for the Lord. I'm working for the Lord, not for my own benefit. Discipline. Sometimes you have this hustle and bustle uh, of work, everything's just going and going, and it becomes sort of monotonous even. Um, of everyday work, they start to, to, to play a toll on you. You realize, what am I doing here? You say, I'm serving the Lord Christ, even if my work seems to never end. I'm serving the Lord Christ. The third one here is cheerfulness. Uh, sometimes stress, as I said with my life and my hairline, uh, stress can build up and up and up. Uh, but when the stresses of work build up to intolerable levels, no that your reward is in Christ. Your reward is in something here that's earthly, but in Christ, not this earth. And then the last one um, is sacrifice. This is something that's greatly needed in the workplace today is sacrifice. When someone says, when someone's struggling with someone, something and you step in and you say, let me help with that. 
this sort of sacrifice is greatly needed. Because so many times, and especially that I see in, in, in where I am in academics, it's all working for yourself, for, for what I need to do, for my agenda. So for you to take time to help someone else uh, is greatly needed. So when something is needed that might cost you money or time, um, consider something like John 15. Greater love has no, no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is a, a fourth mark of what I think a Christian worker is. So integrity, discipline, cheerfulness, and sacrifice. I'm gonna end there with, uh, with some prayer. Lord, I just, I just thank you. Um, Lord, I thank you that you gave yourself for us, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we have something to look forward to that's outside outside of this earth, Lord, that's, that's beyond um, the toil and the labor that we have. Lord, but we can look forward to an inheritance in you. God, I just pray for myself and for everyone here. Lord, that uh, we can work for you, Lord. Lord, that our work would be dedicated to you, but not, our, not ourselves and not for making more money and not, not for uh, prestige and honor in the world, Lord. But Lord, that we can have uh, our true joy and satisfaction in knowing that we are serving you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.